tonight, we're actually moving from Acts 2.38. We haven't addressed everything in great detail in Acts 2.38, but we talked about it uh, two sessions ago before we talked about repentance. I'm moving on to one other one. Um, it's probably not the hardest in one sense, but I will probably leave you a little bit dissatisfied today. And it's like, hey, too bad, I'm done. Right now, so. But I, I think you'll understand the tension and the frustration, but it's not bad. I'm just going to be honest. You know, the whole I don't know thing will come into play here. But I think I'll teach you some things that are, at least are valuable and helpful to you, even um, though I don't know everything. Okay, so this is verse... 39. We looked at verse 38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's this one here. And I gave you that for the context, not because we're covering it. Now, this is the, the next verse now is what we're going to talk about. Acts 2.39. For the promise to you... Oh, so I'm sorry. For the promise is to you to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I had to look if it was shall or will. So, Some of us who grew up in the King James have a hard time quoting the new King James. So anyway, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to look at. And it looks like, ah, oh, it's pretty clear, but there's... There, it, gets a little tough as you go. So let's just break it down and look through it. Number one here, Peter reviews the promise. And the promise, I think, is pretty clear to understand that the promise is the Holy Spirit. All right, and we'll see that here. And I, I don't honestly remember what all, and I won't keep looking at it, but I think most of the verses are in your text, but not all of them, in your notes. Again, I don't do that to make you lazy. I do that so you can do two things. You can pay attention rather than turning. I'm very much one who likes to turn in the Bible. But also you have a reference so that if all you have is a, a reference without the verse, your notes become less valuable. Right? You can review it without having to look it up. So. Here it is here, the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the promise, Acts 1, 4, and 5, and being assembled, to, assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So he equates the promise with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's like that's not hard to, hard to see there. Here's another one. Acts 2.33. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see in here. By the way, Peter's preaching from, I don't know, verse 12 all the way down to verse 39 or beyond. Okay, so we haven't looked at the whole sermon. Questions on that at all? I should look and see what you have. Does anyone need notes that I get, everyone? 
I know I asked, but I don't know if anyone else came in. So, all right. So that's easy. Now, Peter reviews the potential recipients. The promise, he said, is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Okay, so let's break this down here. Again, nothing here is difficult. I, I think the text is pretty clear, right? The context in the text. First, to you, the Jewish crowd. And he's really talking about you as a representation of all the Jews. Okay? The promise is to you. Now, here's several verses that relate to this. Um, just as a question here, when did this happen? Do you recall? What feast, if I can narrow that down? Pentecost, right? That's where the church began. That's where the baptism of the Spirit occurred. That's where they also were filled with the Spirit. What was required at Pentecost? Or should I say, who was required at Pentecost? Jewish men were required to come to Jerusalem for three different feasts each year, Pentecost being one of them. So what I'm about to say isn't against women. You have to just understand the context here. Here's some verses here. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Adult males of Judea. That's the word here. It's not the generic word anthropos, which is like you could say people. Peeps of Judea. This one is on air. We get actually a, a form of it is Andre. Right? Andre or Andrew. And it, it's only used of adult males in the Bible. I'm only saying that because you have to understand who the crowd is. They're representing all of, all of, all of Jewish the entire Jewish nation, okay? Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So who's Peter talking to? In general, the Jews, right? Again, same word, men of Israel, adult men of Israel, hear these words. And he might be also, to, it's not saying that there might not be a mixed crowd or a mixed age group, but he's talking to the men, right? Men and brethren, same word again. Men and brethren, and I'm just establishing who he's talking to in his sermon at Pentecost. That's my only point right now. So you're saying, what does that mean? Well, that's all I mean for here right now. Therefore, let all the what? House of, so he's speaking to them as representatives as the nation of, as a whole. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's called pointed preaching. <laughs> right? Whom you crucified. Peter's beating around the bush. Not. Right? All right, so there you have the Jewish crowd to you. That's who to you represents, okay? The Jewish crowd that represents the Jewish nation, 
the house of Israel. This is easily seen throughout the New Testament in the two ministries you see, first of Peter and even the other apostles, and then you have Paul, right? So first he says here, of one of my favorite verses, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who... Why doesn't it say repent? It could, right? But it's a different... It uses the term believe for the Jew first, right? The approach there, and I know it makes us kind of feel funny, but if you're not of Jewish descent... You're like, you kind of feel a little awkward in the New Testament. Go only to the house of Israel, right? Early on, right? But that's part of God's plan. It's a progressive revelation and a progressive plan of attack. You don't attack everything at once. You have to have a plan, okay? So that's the Jewish crowd. Now also it says to your children, their descendants... And again, you're like, Kevin, you're pointing out the obvious. Well, obviously, right? To your children. By the way, I believe even the way it's stated, and if you, you're in the Old Testament, I'm in Deuteronomy right now in my Bible reading. Uh, and again, I encourage you to read through the Bible every year. You'll learn way more than you'll ever dream. But uh, to your children, their descendants, it, it's not just your, your immediate children, but all of the descendants to your children. Everything God says, it's, it's to the nation Israel in perpetuity. Right? So it's saying this is for you. It goes all the way back to uh, the promises to the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all that. Right? So their descendants. I didn't put any more... Uh, I didn't think I needed proof from the Bible, but you know I didn't need to augment the, the notes any further there. And to those at a distance, now I'm calling them the Gentiles, and I am thankful that Peter added this. Also, Jesus kept saying, and we'll we'll see this a little bit tonight. I just I'm like confusing the word study I did this afternoon. I, had a little, I was done last week, but I had more time, so I had added to it. But uh, the Gentiles, how it's used in the Bible 160 times in the New Testament. But those at a, at a distance, it's like it's funny because it took them like seven years to start actually preaching to the Gentiles. Maybe they were just busy working with what they had, right? You can only accomplish what you do, and it took a little bit of supernatural intervention to even get that to happen in Acts 10 as Pastor Lance taught. To those at a distance. So let's look at this here. He says, Then he said to me, Depart, for I, I will send you far from here to the... Okay, and he's talking to Paul here, or Saul, who would be... He's recounting re what happened to him on the road to Damascus. He did that a couple different times. To the Gentiles. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm like, that doesn't sound like 
Gentiles. He doesn't even say Gentiles. Well, I, I added a slide this afternoon because I knew you were going to think that. Right? So, Ephesians again, Ephesians 2.17, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Who would those be? The Jews. Okay, right? If the Gentiles are those who are afar off, then everyone else, or the only thing left is the Jews, right? So they were near in the sense of near to God from a, a relationship standpoint. As a nation, God kept working with them even through all the crazy things they did. Again, reading through Deuteronomy, it's like Moses is not super happy. He's recounting all the things they've done for the last 40 years. And he said, most of the time you were stubborn and rebellious. <laughs> okay. But God still was near to them in a way that he wasn't near to anybody else. They had access, even though they rebelled against that. Okay. Here's Romans again. Romans 1.16. And also for the Greek. Now, the word Gentiles here. And the word Greek here is the same in the Greek. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating, but uh, I'll explain maybe in a minute here. I threw this slide on this afternoon because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, it doesn't really say Gentiles here. So this is what Paul writes with regard to the Gentiles just in the Ephesians, right? Using the term Gentiles or it's ethnos is the, the, the root, it's depending if it's plural or singular or whatever, ethnos is singular, nation or Gentile or Greek. But therefore, remember that here's the word you. He's talking you. Remember the previous... You, uh, you who were once far off. Peace to you, right? So that's what I'm capturing the context of. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, the Jews, made in the flesh by hands. Again, we're just grabbing something out of context, but he's talking to you, the ones that were once Gentiles in the flesh. Okay? By the way, Ephesians makes it clear, so does 1 Corinthians, that there are three groups of people. When the church came into existence, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Okay, The church is a distinct group. The church doesn't become Israel. Israel is not the church. It's a distinct group. Okay, So that's what he's talking about in the flesh. In the spirit, they're part of the, uh, the new different body. They brought together in one body, the Bible says. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 of Ephesians. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Right? So just tying in that, um, the object there, the youth uh, that uh, ties in with them for Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Again, he's establishing this all the way through the book of Ephesians. Excuse me, to me who I am less, excuse me, <coughs> I'm allergic to Jim Clyde. <coughs> <laughs> to me who am less than the least of all the saints, 
this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles. So he keeps bringing them back up. And the context of Ephesians is look what God did for the Gentiles. Right? Last one year. And he actually leverages against them how to live, right? This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, right? You were that way, but now you're something different, so don't keep walking that way, right? So that's my point, just tying it in to the Gentiles. That's who those that are far afar off is. By the way, Today I did a word study of the word Markan, which is afar off. It's usually translated like the, um, the rebellious son. The father saw him and he was far out, like for instance. So it's rarely used in a spiritual way, I think two or three times. And you find those in Acts and then those two times in Ephesians. It, it's only used, I don't know, ten times in the whole New Testament but it's normally just like you would say far, you know, near, far, near, far. So, but it, it uses this specifically twice in Ephesians and once there in Acts 2.39 with regard to reference to the Gentiles. It's a spiritual distance. Okay. Now here's the difficult portion. And maybe you caught it when we read verse 39 and you're like, Everything looked fine for me. But yeah, but when you slow down and you start asking questions, you, you have more questions. And that's good. That's not bad. It makes you think. But what is this? As many as the Lord our God will call. Ideas? Could be. That's what we're going for. A lot of people classify it as elect. Call as in uh, the irresistible call of the elect. And we're talking about uh, Calvinism, right? Um, I really don't know what I am because the more I think about Calvinism, the less I am that. But I'm certainly not an Arminian. I'm French. How could I be Arminian? But... Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there's just two choices, and so that's where I'm at. I don't have an answer to all the hard questions. That's why Raleigh sits in, in case we have hard questions. He can answer the questions on election and all. But that's, let me give you at least two views to this that you have to think about. Because what is it saying? Peter is saying, the promise is to you and your children... And to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Right? It means something. And they understood what he was saying. Well, do we understand it? And again tonight, I will not fully explain this. But I will build parameters around it. Whatever it means. Okay? Whatever I just said, I'm going to do that. The, the, this portion of the text is difficult to understand as it does not give enough information to be clear. Can we agree on that? Thanks, Peter. Thanks for nothing. 
right? Don't you feel that way sometimes in the Bible? It's like, um, years ago I was, in, I was in college and Dr. Del Ney taught there. He's with the Lord now, just like in the last two years or so. But he said, there, there's one passage, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 11 or 12 or something, and it says, and because of the angels. What does that mean? It's like, it's like rolling the dice. Well, it could be this, it could be this. You know, there's, there's actually multiple reasons. The Bible doesn't give you enough information. Now here, I believe we're not trying to answer all the questions about Calvinism. Again, that's why Raleigh's here, for all the hard stuff. But we are going to build parameters around that, okay? But the, this passage is what we're talking about, okay? This passage itself, that's what we're tying kind of parking on here, it doesn't give enough information, at least for us where we're standing, we're sitting, right? Listening, it's like, uh, could be either one, okay? Some understand it as evidence for God's, of God's sovereign choice or election of those that he brings to belief, the elect, okay? Other details seem to indicate that it could be understood in almost the opposite way. God providing salvation to any and all who will listen and respond. That didn't help you at all either, did it? It's like, well, it's this way, or maybe it's just the opposite. How's that? Let's close in prayer. No, no just kidding. Okay. <laughs> There's more. Okay. View number one pertains to the elect. That's how they would understand it. And if you have read a lot in Calvinism, you automatically read this passage in a Calvinistic interpretation. That's just what happens. I'm not making fun or what I'm just saying that's what you do. Oh, call. Understood. Right? God's sovereign call to salvation, like Romans 8.30, for whom he foreknew he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So it seems like there's an unbroken list all the way through, right? Probably the biggest key is what foreknew means. But even then, if you can explain God and his thoughts, knock yourself out. I probably won't listen for long. Not because you're not smart, but I think people try to be smarter than God has given us information for. Right? God's smart and he hasn't explained it all in detail. We, we understand parts, but we can't fully comprehend it because... I don't know about you, but this brain is not as big as God's brain. Right? I, it's, it's not even a thimble. I can't, I can't even remember what I remember. Right? I can't put it all together. I've been studying the Bible for years and years, and it's like, where did that come from? <laughs> you know? you know, there's always something that's like, I never thought about that before. But anyway, this is one place they would point to. And again, we're not arguing for or against anything right here. We're going to build some parameters around it. Again, I think I said two weeks ago when we talked about repent. I think that was it because I get a little confused because I'm teaching in two churches. But uh, I remember I, I was in Georgia for 
four years, and I went to a Bible Baptistic type of church, if you're familiar with. It wasn't Jack Hiles, but it was a small country bumpkin church, but it was King James only and stuff like that, you know. And um, they were, that general group of people was anti-predestination, right? And uh, I remember coming to faith and I got to talk, Dr. George and I were walking on the sidewalk and I asked them about this. I said, what do you think of predestination? I had just gotten there two weeks late. He says, well, in Romans class, we'll cover that, but it's kind of unfair to ask me on the sidewalk because it requires more explanation. But he said this, and this just blew my socks off because of the background I had come from for four years of exposure in Georgia. And in a, I thought it was a pretty good Baptist church. But he said, we can all agree that the word is a biblical word. It's found in the Bible. So then it's a matter of what does it mean, right? Not not whether it is or not. That's true of repent or anything, right? But anyway, so it's understanding what is meant by it is the key here, not that it doesn't exist. So, all right, a couple statements here, and I believe these are in your notes too. As many as, understanding as many as from the recipients listed, only those that, right? That's when... If you're of the Calvinist leaning, you're thinking that. Only those that God calls, right? From the recipients listed, only those that God calls. As our Lord, our God might call to literally an irresistible summons. No man, this is John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him in, in the la at the last day. Okay, that kind of idea there, all right? Let's do view number two. And I really, and I don't say this out of arrogance or carelessness. I don't really care where you land. Right? I, uh, of either one of these. Um, there's people, my, my son's going to faith. That there's a lot more five-point Calvinists there than there used to when I went there. I don't know if it's different instructors or what, but. They can get, you can get along. I just think there's different perspectives when you're one or the other. And we're going to fine-tune your perspective tonight. Any and all who will listen and believe is another way to say it, okay? As many as. And I would say, okay, you could look at it this way. As in you, your children, all afar off, everyone. It's like an expanding list. To you, to your children, to how many afar off? All that are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Okay? As our Lord God might call to, an invitation that can be rejected. Do you always answer your phone? I was going to say, if, you, if you're nodding your head, yes, I'm like, what? I'm going to start calling you. All right? It doesn't require an answer if you understand it that way, okay? Again, you can argue that the call is always efficient and people always get saved from it or not, okay? But I have a problem with this then, right? But for her, here's summary thoughts. Whatever this means, so I'm not telling you what it means, 
It's one, probably one or the other. And again, I'll be friends with you for either one. But what I'm going to say here is that what I've been exposed to, and again, it's not Calvinism or not Calvinism, but my challenge would probably lean more toward those leaning in a Calvinistic standpoint. And again, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to hold that. Um, I think you can fellowship with people in that realm, right? I mean, if you can put up with a Jim Klein, you can put up with any Calvinist, you know what I'm saying? You're getting all the shots in there, aren't you? <laughs> Last chance, yeah. right, exactly. Make them count. But whatever this means, and I have, I think, four points up here. What, um, do you remember, was it Hudson Taylor or Adoniram Judson? He went to some Baptist mission board, and he said, I want to go to India, or wherever he went. And, you know, and he, goes, uh, he goes, you know what? You don't need to go to India. We will not support you. So if God wants them saved he has the power to save them without your help. He was actually told that by a mission board. So I'm not sure what the mission of the mission board was, unless it was, no. What's your question? No. You want my, no, you know. So I don't know what the, honestly the function of it was. But anyway, but I'm saying you see that. And it's either overt like that, which I don't see much of, but I'm telling you, the impact of certain thinking on my own activity and heart and perception was altered if I start thinking that God's got everything in control so Kevin can sit home and do nothing. Because they're going to get saved. Anyway, the Bible, whatever it means and says, will never, ever diminishes our fervor, our responsibility, our message. Well, if you read the Bible, it, Paul's like, my prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. And he put shoe leather to that prayer. Every time he went into a town, he's like, I know I'm probably going to get stoned, but knock, knock, knock in the synagogue, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? He could have said, hey, it doesn't matter. Right? He could have said, because God's going to save them with or without me. I don't understand the sovereignty of God. I don't understand all of the theology. And like I said, I think, I'll say this real quick. I was teaching in Ephesians years ago, but I use this as an illustration. The Bible tells us this, right? You got this dot right here? And the Bible gives us this dot right here. And the Bible gives us this dot right here. And the Bible gives us this dot right here. So theologians say, hey, we can fill in all the information between the dots. We got this down. They got decrees when God decreed things and all that. And it's like, that's funny, but the Bible doesn't tell you that. You're drawn this way, too, and that way. Right? And then I'm like, here's my illustration is, you got the dots and it looks like they're all connected, but what if it's three-dimensional? You do it this way, and it's like, buddy, you haven't connected. You got the first dot, because that's where you put your chalk, but everything else is still not connected, because your mind isn't that big, and God hasn't filled in all the dots. Okay? I should keep going. 
Whatever this means, it does not reduce proclamation. We will still be sharing the gospel. It doesn't slow down or diminish our sharing of the gospel. Whatever that call is, whatever predestination is, whatever election is. And again, that's why we have Raleigh here. He can explain all the hard things. But I say, whatever it is, it doesn't diminish you preaching or presenting the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, not election. Now, I don't know how it all pieces together, but I don't have to know. Right? You with me? And you don't have to know. And if I were a gambling man, I'm not. I usually won't even scratch off a McDonald's ticket because I lose anyway. Can't even win a small fry for crying out loud. But, but I'm saying if I was a gambling man, where was I going with this? I'm not a gambling man. <laughs> when you're old, this happens. <laughs> If I was a gambling man, not one of you here could explain it either. How is that for recovery? <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't understand it. And again, theologians spend time, and I, I study all you want. That's good. You know, that's, it's not wrong to study and all that, but I'm saying like we're trying to figure out how God's going to accomplish things. But if it's going to keep us from trying to accomplish those things that God says we're supposed to be doing, that's deviant, right? Okay, Dan's coming in here to hear. Here's all the yelling. Okay, repent and let every one of you be baptized. I'm only showing this because Peter was preaching here. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to just sit back because God will do what he's going to do, right? It does not stifle our message. We still have to preach. We have to proclaim. And preach not necessarily from the pulpit. I mean, talking about you and your neighbor, you know, proclaiming the gospel. Letter B, it does not produce a limited audience. Again, this is, this is not every Calvinist. I, we had a, a Calvinist group in our, at Northridge for years. I, Pastor Tony uh, taught. He was deaf since he was two. He taught. I did his funeral a year ago. Um, but he was a five-point Calvinist. All right? He did not believe that you could present the gospel directly to anybody. John 3.16 isn't for everybody, because if it's true, if it's limited atonement, then to say that God, Christ died for you might be overstepping your bounds. I don't believe that. Right? Regardless of what it means, whatever it means, it does not produce a limited audience. For the promise is to you and to your children. He's not qualifying. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. It does not limit who we speak to. Even if all of that is correct, and again, I'm not arguing for or against the whole predestination, foreknowledge to election, you know, all of that. If God picks you ahead of time, it doesn't limit your audience, right? It doesn't limit who, who you're speaking to. It, God never says, okay, 
tailor this so it's just, you know, if, if you happen to be. No, it's to all. Right? It doesn't limit who we speak to you. Letter C, it does not impede explanation and effort. This is in the same passage here, and I want you to see this. Acts 2.40, that isn't where he ended. He didn't end with repent and be baptized with the remission of sins. He didn't end with the promise that it's to you and to your children, to all. There's conversation there that we don't see, but we're told about. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Right? It's not a bing, 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 and they're saved kind of thing. Even with Jews who grow up, grew up with the Old Testament, they were aware keenly of what the Old Testament said. He had to talk with them, t testifying to them and exhorting them, telling them to be saved. Salvation is not an automatic switch. People take persuasion. People take time. And the, in our culture, you have to start from zero. You say, if you died today, do you know if you go to hell? And it's like, hell? What's hell? You know, the only thing I know about hell is what my dad said about it. And he didn't think it was any big deal because it was always followed by a no. Right? We assume too much in our day because people didn't grow up in church. You, you talk about God or sin. Have you had your sins forgiven? It's like, I don't know. I don't think I got the letter in the mail. You know, whatever it was, right? It, whatever this means, it does not remove the need for our explanation and effort. Witnessing is more than just letting God. According to this, even in the midst of people that know the Bible well, Whatever this means, it requires preaching the gospel to everyone everywhere. Now, this is what I'm going to end on. This is my final point, unless you have questions. But let me emphasize this with a few odds and ends verses from a book called The Bible. Luke 24, 47, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all yeah, all nations, by the way, same word as Gentiles. Why do they train? I don't know. I have that word study out there on the internet if you want. Matthew 28, 19, you're familiar with this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. No limited there. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's not limited in, in geography. It's not limited in ethnicity. It's not limited at all. John 3.16, you've heard of this one? Especially if you watch football. We don't know what it means, but it says John 3.16. You know. <laughs> For God so loved... Now, Calvinists will redefine the world to mean the elect. My only challenge is, well, then God forgot that word here because he used world, right? That he gave his only begotten son that... And this seems to define world, that... Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay? There's a few more, actually lots more, but I, don't, I didn't put them all up here. But John 4, 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. John 12, 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw 
all peoples to myself. Peoples is in italics because it's provided by the translator. Some people will argue that, well, if God draws, and he says he draws, and it could be some from all peoples. Acts 26.20, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the nations, Greeks, Gentiles, all the same word, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting of repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for to be testified in due time. Again, I'm not arguing that God will save everybody but it seems to argue that everyone can be saved and it argues that everyone needs to hear the message. And us sitting at home or whatever doesn't accomplish that, right? 1 Timothy 4.10, For the, to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. This is how big of a deal it was for Paul because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. There you have two groups. God say, is it the Savior of all, but it... It works for those who believe, right? 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that should perish, but all, that all should come to repentance. Revelation 22.17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come! That's how He ends the Bible. Come! Who hear, and let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Right? Here's the last passage. Acts 17. I'm going to give you the full context here. Verses 30 to 34. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands... Say it out loud with me together. How's that narrow it down? To me, it's like, whatever that means, it's none of my business. Right? From, from a responsibility standpoint. And I can try to explain stuff, but if my explanation makes me sit rather than share, then my understanding is an error. That's all I know. Here's the rest of it. Because he is appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again in this matter. Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined in. What? Questions. Are you a little bit frustrated? Because I didn't explain everything. I just put parameters around it. it. Whatever it means, it does not limit you or reduce your responsibility or mine one bit or we're understanding it wrongly. right? Whatever God's work is, it, it doesn't inhibit, reduce, or prevent my responsibility, my activity, my message, or my audience whatsoever. Okay? Questions? I have cookies and you guys didn't say a word.
Anyway, we'll put them up in the back. I'll start passing them out now. Jerry, there's people almost dying because I forgot to do that. You guys are, didn't you men, remember I said cookies? Questions while you're eating. Kevin, it sounds like you're like about a 4.7 calories. No, no, because the more I, I, I don't believe in perseverance of the saints. Well, I'll just go through real quick. I don't believe in the perseverance of the saints because I believe that incorporates work salvation. You have to prove that you're saved. I don't believe in limited atonement because of all the verses up here. Um, unconditional election, I think, is in a realm where I, I don't fully understand it one way or another. Irresistible grace, again, I don't know if I understand or not. But the Bible's not saying I have to understand it. But if I understand it in a way that prevents me from evangelizing, I have understood it wrongly. That's all, that's all I know. Right? So I don't know if I'm any of those when you start thinking about it. So, and again, if you are, that's okay. So not a, you know, it's kind of theoretical because people are putting dots together. It says this, but it, yeah, but it also says this. So, so I probably won't answer it, you know, adequately. Go ahead, Scott. When, when it says all nations or all peoples or the Gentiles, does that necessarily go one way or another? Because you could also say, well, yes, obviously there are elect within those groups and God wants people from all groups to come to him. Those don't necessarily go one way or the other, do they? No, and that, that would be part of the argument, right, of those there. But I'm saying as far as our message goes and our motivation and all that, even if it is that, it, we don't know who the elect are. Right? And God says that's, however, we're commanded to make disciples. We're commanded to preach the gospel to all nations. So it, it, whatever that means, it does not diminish that. So that's, you know, if, if election works that way, that's fine. But it, it seems to work with our obedience, not with our disobedience. So what else? Dan got a cookie. Do you have a question? What are you teaching next? Um, I have no idea when I'm teaching next. So, um, uh, Graham, what's his first name? Joel is teaching on Philippians next week in there, and Pastor Lance is preaching on, I think it's biographical. It's, it's troubled people helping troubled people. It's something to do with Raleigh and... <laughs> yeah, and Jim. <laughs> I had to get it back here. So I don't know. I'm teaching on the doctrine of the church in uh, Edel. So you have to start with the foundation there. I'm four weeks in. So. Anything else? Feel free to eat more cookies. So I apologize I didn't get those handed out. So I know, I know why you came. So... <laughs> How rude. Let me just pray if I can. Lord, thank you for the attention of your people here. I, I pray that, again, as believers, we would obey what we do understand, even if we don't have the capacity or ability to piece it all together. And, Lord, I certainly don't. I just know that whatever you have commanded us is not diminished 
by, by other views. So, Lord, help us to, uh, to pursue that, uh, pursue sharing the gospel aggressively and even sacrificially because, Lord, that's how you say people get saved. Again, thank you for the privilege of teaching here and with this group, and I pray that you just bless them because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you very much.